0: Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. It was a pretty pretty glorious weekend, Kevin. I gotta say.
1: Very I gotta glorious. say.
0: I'm uh, I'm a little surprised still. I'm a little in shock that it happened the way it did. But holy shit, we beat the hell out of SC. And in a game that we were already calling the garbage bowl. We were pretty down on this game last week. Uh, our crosstown rival proved themselves to be more garbage than we were, and that was that was honestly surprising to me. Yeah, one
1: team showed up wanting to play, and the other just folded like a cheap tent, um, which is sad, given that it was it's the rivalry game and whatnot. But not sad because I don't feel sorry for them right now. Um, that was a glorious day. Um, a glorious weekend. We should never take any victory like this over USC for granted, um, particularly when it's against you know what was looking to be you know the, the building juggernaut of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and so on and so forth. We've we've now gotten through that patch, and have put put them in a really bad place. Um, that was a great game to watch. Um, a great game for UCLA. And I, I'm at a loss for words, honestly, uh, just how it all, how it all played out.
0: Well, I will, I will, I will try to put some words to this game to this victory, uh, because it was, (laughs) it was a sight to behold for sure. But I will start with one man, Danton Lin. I think he deserves, and we can talk about TJ Harden and Ethan Garbers and we'll get to that in a second, but Danton Lin, I think, in my opinion, is solely, solely responsible for this victory with the defense and the way he played that game. It was a master class in shutting down a high-powered offense like USC's, and it was beautiful, man. I mean, the, the amount of absolute pressure that we were able to put on Caleb Williams all afternoon— Latu and the Murphys lived in that backfield, and they just did not allow Caleb Williams, who, you know, as much shit as we will talk on him this game and forever, because he's a Trojan, uh, he is very talented. I mean, he was the reigning Heisman winner. We did not let that kid get into any semblance of a rhythm. It was, he was off. Basically, all afternoon, yes, he threw for a bunch of yards. He had that really nice, you know, TD throw. But he really was looked looked sped up all afternoon, and that was the pass rush. That was all those guys and the way Danton Lynn played this game. Uh, I think he gets a lot of credit for this game. I think he gets most of the credit for this game. I know we put up a bunch of points, but if you look at the concept of the whole uh, overall, you know, drive chart of this game... That defense generated so many short fields for that offense to operate in. Um, it just, you can't, you can't say, Hey, this was an offensive game. I, I really think this was, this g- victory was all on Lynn's shoulders and man, have we found a diamond in the rough somehow? Cause Lynn is, is clearly a rising star in my opinion.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing about this game is USC outgained us. Um, like, which is surprising to even think about after you watch the game, but then you think about it a little bit, like, they got a lot of empty yards. Um, they got a lot of, you know, let's let's drive between the 20s, and then once you get down there and the, sh- the field has shrunk, um, the, the impact of our pressure just really took full shape, and that's not even accounting for the turnovers, um, you know. Liatu Latu was lined up all over the line, right? He was lined up over the center. He was lined up over the edges. Um, and no matter where he went, terror came for uh, for SC. Uh, I think, again, he showed you why he's he's one of the great pass rushers in UCLA history, and he's going to be a multimillionaire at this time next year. Um, just an exceptional performance that's going to etch him in the lores of, of UCLA glory uh, for, for a long, long time. Uh the other interesting thing about this is, they outgained us three eighty seven to three fifty four. Almost all of that is passing yards. Holding any team to three yards rushing. I'm gonna repeat that. Holding any team to three yards rushing. In modern college football, against anyone, you could play the, the a Division three team. You could play a high school team. Three yards rushing. Um, that's just unheard of. And and a lot of that is sack adjusted yards too. But with that said, the actual, you know, rushing, the actual running backs themselves, Marshawn Lloyd seventeen yards. Austin Jones, six yards. So it really was like, like sack adjusted yards. We're talking twenty four yards rushing here. Uh sorry twenty
0: three yards rushing. That doesn't happen.
1: Um so full credit to Danton
0: Lynn. You, know uh, you know what's you know what's even more impressive about that? is once Jay Toya went down, we did that largely without interior D-linemen. That is just straight effort and willpower on our D-lines when we were that, you know, shorthanded on that front. That is an insane, insane stat line with that context. It's insane without that context, but when you think about Toya going out, we obviously lost Gary Smith already. We were very short on interior D-line. It just makes you, makes you just you shed a tear a little bit because <laughs> that is that is insane. Yeah, and look,
1: and now we have to go to offense, and I, I don't I don't say this begrudgingly. I don't say this you know tongue in cheek. Uh, Chip Kelly yet again called a very good game against USC uh, for the first time all year. I thought was playing to the strengths of the offense at least for the first quarter or so. Um, with creative formations, up-tempo, pounding the rock until the defense proves that they can stop it, and then using action off of our runs to get easy passes for a quarterback. And Ethan Garber's, um, look, uh, I said this before, you, you call quarterbacks game managers, and it's often thought of as a, as a disservice to them. But UCLA needed a game manager. What, what UCLA needed the entire year was to run the ball like this, a 45 to 30 split um, in terms of carries to attempt to uh, passing attempts. And then just have a quarterback that could be a game manager and get out of trouble and make a throw when we needed it. And that's what we saw in this game. How many times do we see Ethan Garbers run out of trouble and just make a pass at the very last moment to the checkdown? It wasn't like he was making a Caleb Williams throw. He just found the right guy at the right time. Um, that just happened over and over again. Um, and I thought huh. the desi- the desire of both the teams on that one touchdown to Hudson Habermel, uh, what so should be a short dump off turns into like a touchdown with like multiple broken tackles. Uh, it just showed you that one team rallied around, um, you know, their coach and rallied around the rivalry game, and the other one just didn't.
0: How many times has a team like Alabama won a national championship by doing exactly what you just described, right? insane running game. And I'm not comparing our team to Alabama, but but my point is that you can get have a lot of success with that formula. A very strong running game and a quarterback that can make important throws and clutch situations but isn't the guy that, you know, the game hinges on, right? That's what what Nick Saban's teams did for so many years up until the last few years. Like they just pounded the ball. I mean, they just run, 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 and then you have, you know, some passes in there when you need them, but, but the whole offense hinges on the run, and that's what we've been saying all year long is, like, Chip Kelly, pull your head out of your ass. We've seen success running the ball, yet we just didn't commit to it, and this was the first game, I think, to your point, we did commit to it, and this is what happens when you commit to the run with this team, is you win games, now, I will say there were some spots in the middle of the game where he went away from it a little bit. Second quarter, a lot. Second quarter, he, he got a little pass happy. And look, we stalled out. We left a lot of points on the table in this game, which is wild to say because we won by 18. It's 38, 38 to um, 20, right? We could have been up 38 points in that first half alone. <laughs> like it, it, and it's not even crazy to say that. There were so many opportunities that we blew. Uh, that we could have put more points on the board But We're talking about the running game We can't not mention T.J. Harden's name Here once again Because we'll be he etched, ran wild forever
1: in, in, in UCLA glory for this
0: game Similar to Joshua Kelly um, in, in, in 2018 He ran wild In this game And he showed why a lot of UCLA fans have been saying He should be the starter Not Carson Steele And not to, to take anything away from Carson but T.J. Harden just has a little bit more pop, a little bit more juice when he runs the ball, and he really, really showed it off in this game.
1: Yeah, again, uh, it, it's it's flashbacks to Joshua Kelly uh, in 2018 when you know we we had we had a quarterback situation where you had a lot of struggling going on there, and you needed a run game that could take you out of your misery. Um, and it wasn't just any run game; it's one that you know can work against a dog shit defense. Um, and and that's been the, the thing this whole year, right? With with UCLA, when we play teams that you know are not good at stopping the run, play to your strengths and run, um, and and that's what we did. And TJ Harden, obviously, again the rivalry game and whatnot. Um, look, I'll, I'll I'll give credit here as well to Chip Kelly. Um, he 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 embraced the rivalry. He picked up the rivalry in a way that I just haven't seen him do before, um, frankly ever, and. and the players rallied behind it. Uh, you could see that um, they wanted to win this game badly. Uh, they they wanted to, to to fight for UCLA, and that was definitely something beautiful to watch. And TJ Harden with all those hard runs, breaking tackles, showing explosiveness. I mean, he looks like a player that could be on a very good UCLA team. Um, like you know, he can improve from here and and take a, take the next step to become an elite back um, if he keeps keeps at this. So, you know, great signs, and and ultimately, you know, I have to trans- transition now the conversation to this, which is, um, you just wonder where's this been, because uh, because SE, you know what, we keep it in context. They've quit Lincoln. They're Riley, a garbage team. Lincoln Riley has lost that team. Um, how, I I had doubts when he took the job of hey, is the infrastructure of Oklahoma gonna get get exposed here a little bit? I didn't think it would turn into this. Um, a team that's lost into lost five of six now, and just completely rolled over in this game. They they they're not hearing the coach's voice, um, and that's just that's very clear. So you got to keep that in context. But on the other side, you had a team that clearly was listening to their coach's voice, and you had a team that again embraced the game, embraced the moment, um, and coaching behind that that put them all in, in positions to succeed. And you just wonder like. This is what we've been calling for the entire year. We, we knew this was in them. Uh, we charted out the path to victory last week on, on, on this very podcast. We said, if we can run the ball and use our pass rush, we have a, a great pathway to victory because that's exactly the areas USC is weak. And we just never thought we'd do it because we hadn't done it the entire year. And again, to take the obvious, Chip Kelly, is, didn't, wasn't he wasn't born yesterday. He didn't take a stupid pill. Um, he knows how to coach, and it's uh, it's evident when you see games like this. The problem is you don't see games like this nearly often enough. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, that's where your head now has to go as a UCLA fan.
0: I think that's the most frustrating part about the Chip Kelly era is that the lack of consistency is, is evident when you see a game like this, right? You look at ASU <laughs> the week before, there was not this level of effort put into it. And I think that really defines Chip Kelly at UCLA is when he puts the effort in, when he puts the energy in, he puts together a good team. Like, he he wins games. When he mails it in a little bit or doesn't put that energy in, we saw it against ASU, we saw it against Arizona, we've seen it against Utah. Like, we've seen it in big games. For whatever reason, he doesn't step up to the plate we lose all those games. And more often than not, he has not been able to do it consistently. Which leads me to this point still, regardless of the outcome of this game, and we said this when we lost to ASU, I still think Chip needs to go. (laughs) Like, this game, you know, in the media's eyes might have won Chip Kelly's job back, but in the greater context of the UCLA's football program right now, he is not leading this program the way it needs to be. And I, I still maintain that he should not be head coach going into next year. Now, do the powers that be actually agree with that statement based on recent comments by Martin Jarmond and by, you know, major donors aka the major donor and Casey Wasserman it does not seem like they agree with that statement and I think again things can change because we still do have one more game but I think if I were a betting man we'd probably see Chip Kelly on the sideline again next year and I think that is a mistake but that's the way it seems to be be leaning right now what do you think?
1: No one seems to know right now. Um, at UCLA, generally speaking, when you beat USC, it can mask a lot of things. And and, and look, to be fair, um, it should. It's, it's a big game in UCLA football. It's a big game in any UCLA sport. So it is a big deal, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, I think the main question you have to ask is why does it take – rumors of chip Kelly getting fired to get this kind of a rise out of him um and i don't just mean the game because look uh, people psychoanalyze coaches a lot um and quite frankly if you're winning like you could be as stoic as you want and it doesn't matter um but when you're losing and you just are consistently circularly justifying your process and always calling media members out for not knowing what they're t- looking at and 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 stuff like that and and put it in poo-pooing oh why should i be going and talking to a donor and why should i be wearing a, a men of westwood nil collective shirt um when you're losing like that stuff gets attention because it, it gets it gives the impression that you're in this for yourself and you're in this to just show that you are right and you're not in this for the good of the program and then you see this week where you know the entire week talking about you know what a great rivalry this is to be a part of Um, what a unique game this is and how much he wants to win it for the players and then you hear him after the game and talking about all the interactions he had during the week with the players and the the moment he had with Latu when he told him about the Lombardi trophy and, and the emotion coming out like you could tell something was different this week we hadn't seen this before and it just it makes you wonder why does it take this the only other time i think we saw it was in 2021 when we had a very similar conversation going into the usc game where it's like hey uh what are we doing here um the first three years have not gone well um and we're looking at an eight and four season and we beat a hapless usc team then too uh and it looked to spur chip on that offseason we got some nice transfers But eventually, uh, you know, the leopard shows the stripes and down the stretch, we faltered, um, had some bad game management, lost some games that we shouldn't have to teams that we had no business losing to. Um, Unfortunately, the loss like ASU is not a one-time thing. It happened last year against Arizona. Um, You know, the year before that, Can't. don't think we had any as bad losses as that, but we just never were able to put the momentum together. You beat LSU, you lose to Fresno State, you lose to Arizona State, and then you're right back where you started. Um, And this has just been the pattern. So generally speaking, uh, if you brought him, do you trust Chip Kelly at this point to put in the effort to recruit, um, to play with donors for NIL, which is at this moment the lifeblood of any program? Um, he can say what he wants now, but we've seen this movie for six years. Why should we believe differently? And ultimately that's where I'm at
0: with this. Right. It's, he's had so many opportunities to, to show us, right. That there is some change. And every single time he says one thing, but then kind of U-turns back on it. And again, he's doing and saying the right things in the context of the rivalry game. And after the rivalry game, you know, I, I'm sure you saw it, and for those of you who haven't, uh, Men of Westwood just uh, dropped like a, a, a video yesterday, kind of a marketing video with a bunch of coaches um, and the football staff, and Chip Kelly was in it. You know, after resisting the idea of the NIL Collective and promoting it, he shows up in this video asking for donations to the NIL Collective, and you know, awesome, that's great. I'm I'm glad he's engaging on that front, but is this going to be sustainable is he going to be consistently doing that i don't buy it i i think you know he's doing it right now while he's under fire a little bit and then in three months he's going to be back to kind of his old ways where you know he he's just not going to give that consistent effort and be prickly and you know try to outsmart everybody when when you don't need to, with smart, everybody, and that's that's the issue here. It's it's kind of like the uh, <laughs> uh, Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly trick y'all. Chip Kelly is tricking y'all again, UCLA admin. If you're <laughs> believing this shit, and uh, it's not going to end well with for for UCLA if we we go down this route, in my opinion. But again. It seems like that's the way we're going. But a lot of this, I think, hinges on Cal. Because th- Cal feels like a a trap game to me, right? You go, come come into this game after a, an emotional rivalry game. And we've said this so many times about the Cal game now in the last few years since it's ended up being the last game after SC. It always feels like a trap game because Cal has not been very good. But they've given us a tough run every almost all of these games just because we come off this emotional high. And then we have Cal, which, you know, is quote unquote a rivalry game also. And Cal has some, some pieces here that I think can give us trouble, especially as we mentioned, our interior D line is very hurt right now. And Cal has a very, very good running game, all hinging on Jaden to not. I would not be at all surprised if Cal beats us this week and then what do we do with Chip Kelly?
1: Yeah, ultimately these aren't questions for you and me because I think you, we know what you and me would do. Um, because this isn't a one-time thing. You can put your name in a video for 30 seconds or however long it was. This is this is real work. This is getting out there, working with donors, getting out there, going and recruiting players all off season, day after day after day. Um, and one week of talking doesn't change that work. So like that's, I think, the commitment you need to see from Chip Kelly before you can even entertain bringing him back. Because we're going to have a lot of roster turn- turnover this, this off season because we lose a lot on defense. We're probably going to lose some players to the NFL. And then there's, there's always been attrition with, UC, with with Chip Kelly teams. There's always been guys entering the transfer portal, and there's that, that's even more so now with the advent of NIL and such, and players are going to go and want to see what's out there for them. So this, again, it, it, you can do a video all you want. You can speak and show emotion on a microphone all you want. Like, this is a day-to-day grind, and are you willing to do that? Because six years tell us you're not willing to do that. Um, It tells us that you just want to sit in whatever process you believe is right that avoids the work that you don't like, Um, and you'll just circularly justify it until the cows come home. Um, And so ultimately, this is a question for Martin Jarman. Is it, you know, we've had two great victories in the Coliseum in the last four years. They were against very bad USC teams, one that was about to get their coach fired, now one that has lost their team. So, you know, how much do these mean to you in the grand scheme of your program um even this game against cal because you're right uh, there is a pathway where we lose because you know the team's not focused and they're coming off an emotional high Um, but there's also a great chance that we win because you know asu aside generally speaking at home um, we usually don't lose a game like this but who knows uh but does one game like this you know change the grander scheme of what it takes to run a big time program that's going into the big 10 next year where by the way like this is the last year we get these like soft schedule breaks we got a decent schedule next year we, we we avoided some of the big boys um in terms of the big 10 powers but are you willing to risk that going in um or do you really feel like you know you need to see this thing crater? before um, you make a change. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that the the rumors of you know the roster demise were a little bit not even a little bit greatly exaggerated at this point. I you don't really see a team rally around a coach the way they did last week if you're really going to transfer immediately or you've really lost the locker room right so i I do think that we will get players back i'm sure some will leave um but i i don't i don't foresee a mass exodus like it was being reported originally that being said like even if we get a a good number of players back or we have some roster continuity here (laughs) we have some major holes we need to plug and to your point does chip kelly have the energy and enthusiasm and does he put in the effort to do that again fool me once but i i just i don't see it happening and yeah it feels like we're going to the point where yeah we need to crater everything before he gets fired if we don't make the move right now because i could see us getting cratered next season with the same kind of approach
1: yeah, and look, uh, you're gonna see Chip's buddies in the media come out for him again this week, uh, because you, you already saw the blitz starting, right? Um, it's the usual cast of characters: uh, Colin Coward, Bruce Feldman, Joel Clatt, and you're gonna see, you know, Kirk Herbstreit. I'm sure on game day come through um, in short order here as well. It's all his buddies out there, um, and they're all gonna say, "Hey, UCLA, like, what are you doing? You won eight games and nine games, and you know, you lost to Arizona State with a third string quarterback." And of course, they're not going to do any homework, right? I don't blame them. They're just they're just running with whatever thing that they're they're being told. If you did a little bit of homework, you might have realized the reason that UCLA was down to a third-string quarterback against Arizona State is because it's literally not safe to like be back there right now. And why is it not safe? It's because our offensive line is completely not at a power five level. Why is it not at a power five level? Because we haven't recruited that position for four years. It's come back to hurt us. We didn't find the plug-and-play transfers. We don't have an offensive line this year. That's probably not going to be fixed next year unless you go and find some nice plug-and-play transfers. But the transfer portal is no longer a secret. Uh, all the best teams are going to be after the same players. We saw it this past year. Um, and so, it requires
0: money. And yeah.
1: it requires money. And, and, that, and that requires effort on behalf of the coach. And, and no coach is above donor relations. Nick Saban, Ryan Day, like they had to very publicly call out their donors requesting them to give, give money so they can retain players. That's the era we live in. If, if Nick Saban can do it, there's no reason Chip Kelly can't do it. Um, and, and that's just, frankly, what's required. And then, you know, for our national media friends as well, this is going to be you, Chip Kelly's sixth win over a team that finishes with a winning record. And by winning record, we mean 7 um, 5 with, with SC there. Um, so I know Caleb Williams is there and Lincoln Riley and it's a great story, but this was a dog shit team for the last six weeks. So, like, keep things in context. Ultimately, again, it's not a question for you and me. It's a question for Martin Jarmond.
0: It is a question for Martin Jarmond. I think most UCLA fans still feel like they are on the side of getting rid of Chip Kelly. I think this win might have won some folks over, but again I think we're not talking about a an alumni base of dumb people here, right? <laughs> like, uh, we're talking about generally intelligent folks who can see through a lot of this kind of surface level uh, hiding of some of the the major faults and major cracks in the foundation of this program.
1: Yeah, and I think the reaction from UCLA alums has been pretty. I mean, I mean, you always have your pockets of of people that disagree but generally speaking every, I think everyone's like hey I'm, I'm so happy we won the game and everyone's enjoying the victory over USC and then I think people are saying well but uh, but it's time to go because I think generally speaking like you said UCLA fans are not dumb UCLA alums are not dumb and they see what's been happening um, so I think generally speaking yes some fans have been won over but more or less I think this is what you're seeing amongst the UCLA fan base
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Look, I, I think you. There's nothing wrong with enjoying this victory. I have been enjoying this victory. It's been, it's been fun walking around uh, Los Angeles in UCLA gear and watching USC folks kind of run away from you. It's always fun. But you know, and and for the players, obviously, I think it's it's really important to show that support and and you know, revel in that victory. But again, like thinking long term, because we shouldn't be thinking short term with just one game, it still doesn't matter. Like, the, in the grand scheme of things, this program is still not where it needs to be, regardless of this win. And I think most fans see that. I think most fans understand that. And most fans want to beat SC again next year. But they know that this isn't sustainable the way we've been running this program. So, yeah, look. You, to your point, this is something Martin Jarmond and folks with a lot more money than you and I have um, and give to the program need to figure out, but I think the general sentiment is there, and I think people should probably start listening a little bit more to the general sentiment of the fan base, because at the end of the day, that fan base is what is generating all that revenue, and if you lose that fan base, which we largely have in the last couple of years, uh, we're going to be in trouble. Or- more in trouble So Let's see what happens uh, Against Cal This week Let's see what happens Or let's see what Bowl we get I, I These are all factors I'm sure Martin German Is thinking about But long term I think you and I Can both agree It is time to move on From Chip Kelly Regardless of beating SC last weekend Concur Well On to a different subject. Um, well, well, we we can't be fully happy on how last night went. Still pretty happy with with the uh, what we saw. Uh, unranked UCLA, very young UCLA. Basically, should have beat number four ranked, very old senior late in Marquette last night in the Maui Inventational, and holy shit are we ahead of schedule this year, man? I was not expecting that game.
1: Yeah, look, this is UCLA basketball, so there's no moral moral victories around here. So, um, and and I think Mick and the players, uh, if you look at how they reacted to last night's game are feeling exactly like that. Um, They're pissed off that they lost because they thought they let one get away here. Um, And so in, in in the grand scheme of things, you don't get credit for losing. With that said if we take the big picture lens of this uh you and i i think we're worried that we we might have to come and do the emergency podcast like today uh with the oh my god we don't look like we know how to play basketball um segment Uh, and and we're not doing that at all (laughs) We're, we're, we're definitely not doing that um that was an inspired team uh definitely one that played with a lot of effort a lot of intensity um the length and athleticism of of what we had to offer was clearly bothering Marquette uh, who is a smaller team generally speaking um, you know they they, they are one, a, one that, a team that plays more off of quickness and dribble penetration and such uh, which does match up fairly well to what we bring to the table but that said I think defensively it was just sheer effort I think we had a lot of defensive breakdowns actually um, which resulted in a lot of the wide open threes that Marquette got they shot 34 of them and and in the end, they, they, they made, you know, 30, 32%, 32.5%. So they got it back to a respectable clip there uh, by the end. But a lot of defensive breakdowns, and yet it still looked like a viable defense because just of the sheer effort and athleticism that was on display. So full credit um, there. It's a team that looks like they are learning how to play Mick in basketball, um, and you got to build on this, uh, you know, Marquette is a team that takes pride in forcing, forcing turnovers. And we had 14. A lot of that came in the second half. Um, but generally speaking, it didn't look like, you know, we were a walking turnover waiting to happen at all. We, I thought the player that's going to get really unnoticed in this game um, that I just thought was a warrior out there was Dylan Andrews. Um, I, I thought that he would just control the tempo of this game, control things for UCLA, um, was on Tyler Kolick the entirety of the night um, that he was out there. And just, it, it looked like mini Tiger Campbell out there, minus some of the scoring, and that was just because he wasn't the one getting up shots. Um, and when he went out, that's when that big run got sparked by Marquette, the big 17-0 run, which is reminiscent of last year, right? You had a big stretch where you don't score, and the other team goes in a run. Um, and, and probably because, you know, this team doesn't have a veteran like, you know, Tiger or Jaime or some of those players. We weren't able to sustain um, kind of our lead through that stretch. But I thought we showed great character to come back um, at the end and make this a game where, you know, you basically once again uh, lose on a a back-breaking three um, and still have a chance to tie it at the end. Um, Obviously, we got to talk about Sebastian Mack, um, who in the first half – there were moments where it looked like this, this might just be a little ahead of where he's at. Uh, this stage is a little ahead of what he's able to deliver, and he just kept fighting and scrapping, and this is definitely going to be one where two years from now, we're going to be happy that we missed out on Isaiah Collier and Andre Storyakovich, so that we got this guy who's a Mick Kern player. He's going to be here for four years. Don't know if we feel like that this year when we see him, but in two years, we're definitely going to feel like that. And the last I'm already I'm, in love with that kid. As, as he should be, as he absolutely should be. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say, Berke Tunjo, that was the most brilliant zero point game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, you can see that we got a player just putting him in just fixed everything. Like, the spacing was better. The movement was better. Even the defense was better. Uh, he, 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 he showed the ability to stay in front of very quick Marquette players showed shot blocking ability, rebounding ability. Um, when he finds a shooting stroke, I think we got a real player there. So there's a lot to be excited about, but, 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 um, you know, we probably shot it above average to what our potential was last night. And we got to regroup really quickly against Chaminade, who did stay in it for a half against Kansas. So g- encouraging stuff. we got to build.
0: I will go as far to say as if Burke Boy Tenchel had been cleared, for at least one of the other games that we played before this one, this is a different result. You can just see it there with him. Like he isn't he. Is a guy who played against grown men, and you can see that in his in his uh, presence on the court. I mean. Yes, he didn't score, but he was doing all the little things. And he did, He got gassed by the second half. But again, he hasn't played in a long time. But I think if you had given he had the opportunity to get his sea legs under him a little bit and then before this game, this would be a different result. The other guy I think we, we didn't even mention was Adem Bona. Holy shit, man. The dude was playing some physical, physical basketball. But then some of those dunks over some of the Marquette players were just disgusting. I mean the the like dribble drive dunk he had, the other one that he like took off from the free throw line over over the uh, Marquette player and drew, drew the and one I mean he's a monster. We did not see that from him last season. yeah we saw some big dunks from him you know un, down low easy dunks but he was not taking players off the dribble and dunking on people last season. That is something very new from him, and he put his athleticism on display there. Uh, he was insanely good. The other guy we didn't mention, Will McClendon could actually shoot threes. Oh Holy my God. shit. He looked hesitant on a couple of them, missed a couple, but what? He had three or four swishes and key, key moments of the game that kept us in it. And if that becomes a weapon, if he can gain confidence on that, because he shot at a decent clip against the number four team in the country, that has got to be a confidence builder for him. And if, if he can turn this into a weapon, become consistent at it, that is going to pay dividends uh, down the stretch. Like, I, I was shocked, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. I mean, we saw him hit one earlier this season, and we we're like, "Okay, there's some signs of life here." And then he kind of went back into his shell. But in this game, I mean, he was he was launching them and you know hitting more often than not. And so that was that was really good to see from from McClendon there. But at the end of the day, we ended up losing this game. And I'll be honest with you, the biggest difference to me in this game between the two teams felt like the refs. Yeah, it was for referees for middle sure. stretch. Yeah, I don't think, and and this is not a knock against Marquette. I think Marquette is a very good team, and they showed it obviously last night with some veteran savviness down the stretch, and you know creating turnovers. Um, but I I I cannot look anybody watching that game cannot look at it and say, yeah, Marquette was the significantly better team. I don't think you can make that conclusion. I, I really think that UCLA outplayed Marquette for you know 75% of that game. And the big factor that really uh, obviously Marquette went on a run, but then that what added fuel to that fire was some truly truly horrendous refereeing that really impacted the game from a from a scoring and foul perspective but also just threw the game's tempo off. And what's frustrating about this is if you're going to call ticky tacky fouls one call them both ways but be consistent from start to finish if you're not going to call that the first half don't call it in the second half and that I think is what what pisses me off the most is that you get players in the first half they adjust to how it's being refereed okay like okay they're going to call this they're not going to call that you kind of figured that out but then you do a full 180 in the second half. It's just not fair to the players. It impacts the game too much and it's it's just it's just not 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 a good product. And what we saw last night was just beyond that was just terrible refereeing. I mean, Maui Invitational, you somehow put the Pac-12 to shame here because not knowing how many fouls a player has, not putting people on the bonus at the right time, I mean, it's a complete like clown show out there. And yeah, got... I, I don't like blaming the refs generally, but and obviously we complain about them a lot because in the Pac-12. But oh my god, like that was that was almost on another level.
1: I think what summed it up was you remember that out of bounds review that they had um, on you know if, if the the ball went off McClendon or the Marquette player, which was like within two seconds you could see exactly what happened. Like literally, like. One two oh, it's off of him. Okay, UCLA ball. That review took like five to six minutes of them like relooking at the same frame over and over and over again. Then like the three of them get together and talk, and it's like, bro, what are y'all doing here? Like everyone can see what's happening. I'm not that that just that summed up the game. I mean, you have people who can count. Uh, you had people who were very inconsistent. And look, I, I'm, I'm not even going to go so far as to say like officiating decided the game, but I will say that it was just bad officiating, period. Um, and as the UCLA fan today, it feels like we were on the wrong end of some of those calls, including the last play of the game. Um, but that's how it goes. I think if you t- take a step back now and analyze, you know, why we lost, there was the run from Marquette. Um, but again, we withstood that and came back uh, at, towards the end. Foul trouble, Dylan Andrews you know, getting hurt. We got to make sure we get him um, back fit and, and, and ready to go because it looks like we're going to need him this year to kind of power the team through. Um, the one kind of coaching gripe I think I'll go to here is Sebastian Mack was great and he was getting to the foul line. Generally speaking, Mick Cronin in these tighter games, he likes to keep going back to things until it stopped. Um, and you just wonder if... That was just a little too much for Sebastian Mack at this stage. But maybe it's getting him ready for something greater down the line. Um, we don't know. Uh, I think we could have used Lazar Stefanovic in some more sets instead. Um, but probably where this goes in the future is if Berke can get a shot, um, and if Will can continue this, um, he, if he can build on this, then you got a team where everyone's kind of a threat when they touch the ball. And that can be something really beautiful. Um, but, you well, look... This I, I do think we shot a little bit above our skis in this game. And we're gonna have to see how it plays out now. Because we got Shamanad in very quick turnaround. This is a young team. He had an emotional loss last night. How do you respond to that? Um, that's gonna be a really big key today.
0: Yeah, the other the other coaching gripe I would have is where was Mara in the second half? I mean, you know, he, he showed some passing out of it. He didn't score, but you know, just having his, his length and size in there is, is useful. I would have gone to him over Kenny maybe a little bit more there, but I, I'm not sure why we didn't see more more uh, a die in the, the second half. The other thing I would have liked to see is a little bit more Elon. Uh, if we saw a little bit more Elon Fibley, I think that, that helps on defense. Obviously, his length and athleticism is, is – um, is going to be really important, I think, in defensive stretches. While Marquette was making that run, I think inserting him in there might have been been a, a good move. And, and we actually saw him hit a three, so that was kind of nice. Uh, so I, I know he's he's still getting his skis underneath him a little bit, but would have liked to see him a little bit more. But I think to your point, like, Mick Cronin going to Mac so often obviously he's a walking bucket so yeah you can go to Mac and I don't think we've had a guy like that with that kind of tenacity and relentlessness that just goes at the rim and he's either going to score or get get fouled almost every play but I, I think to your point it, it's kind of that Johnny Juzang method let him go let him figure this out now because uh, if he figures this out now it's going to make us this that much more dangerous to, uh, in the future And I think what we just showed is we're going to be really dangerous when we kind of figure this out because I think the team and the players are still learning the Mick Cronin system. But what we saw last night was the team has bought into that system. So while they don't know it all fully and they're still figuring out how to do things, they fully trust the system. They fully trust Mick Cronin's process and his coaching. Uh, And they're putting the effort in. Four games in. With mostly freshmen. And that is something to just be uber excited about, I think, if you're a UCLA fan. Because I think what we've seen teams do this as they learn and buy in over time, it pays off. And the fact that this team is bought in so early into this system and putting in this kind of effort, uh, I think, is a, a sign of great things to come Uh in uh in the tournament
1: well we got the game today uh against Chaminade and if we were to win today um which I, I do look I, I don't know what what the game is going to look like tonight because progression is not a linear uh it doesn't always happen in a linear way uh and we played well yesterday um how do we respond today if you do win, likely you have got a matchup with Gonzaga, uh, the day after that. Don't well, say it, right? So, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, w- winning and losing, you want to win the games. Um, curious to see tonight if Ademar gets more of a run against you know a lesser opponent. Um, curious to see if Dylan Andrews is going to go because you know clearly that coach's decision to not play him the other night probably had to do something with this too. Um, Going to be an interesting game. He to finished see.
0: the game out.
1: He did. He did finish the game out. He just, just interested to see can we bring that effort um, to Shamanad? This is a young team, right? I mean, Mick Cronin teams. You will get them eventually to a point where they bring it every night. Um, but going from that to then playing Shamanad, uh, how do you respond? Uh, I think is going to be really telling in this early part of the season.
0: Yeah. So that game is today at two p.m. Pacific time. Um, yeah, it, I. I'm very curious to see how we respond. I hope we come out and don't want to take heads here. But you know, it's not always the case, as we know, especially with the, the youth. But I think what we saw last night was insanely encouraging. I think we are way ahead of schedule here than I think any of us thought, because I really thought we were going to get blown out by 20. <laughs> I really, I truly did. I didn't think we'd be able to keep up with Marquette's offense. I didn't think we'd be able to keep up with that uh, level of experience yet we did. And that is and, and not only did we do that, we had great opportunities to win that game, tie that game. I think we we if we we had a senior or two on this team, we'd probably win this. If some of those refereeing decisions don't come to play, we'd probably win this. Um, yeah, there's we had it. It was very close. But at the end of the day, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about and a lot to be happy about from that uh, that game. If you're a UCLA fan, and I'm sure Mick Mick is not happy, players are not happy. So let's see how they respond against Shamonad. I right. think I think that's everything. Um, yeah, so I think we will go ahead and uh, sign off. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody has a great Thanksgiving week. Keep flexing on your Trojan friends or family or acquaintances and coworkers all week, really until next year. Um, you know where to find us: uh, Spotify, Apple, podcasts, everywhere else. Uh, you get podcasts. We're there. You know, please share with your friends and other UCLA fans that you know. Uh, and as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.